This is exactly right. Forgive me for interrupting. I'm Bridger Weiniger, host of I Said No Gifts on Exactly Right. Each week, I invite my favorite people in comedy over to chat, and they always bring a gift. We're coming up on our 200th episode, and every episode is a gem. I have welcomed all kinds of great guests, including Cola Scola, Bowen Yang, Robbie Hoffman. It goes on and on and on. And you don't want to miss the 200th episode with the great Maria Bamford. What does she bring me? Find out April 25th. New episodes every Thursday. Follow I Said No Gifts wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Parent Footprint Podcast with Dr. Dan. I'm your host, Dr. Dan, and our goal and mission at Parent Footprint is to create a loving world with more compassionate people, one parent and one child at a time. We believe that the key to raising happy, healthy, and engaged children is for us parents to be happy, healthy, and engaged ourselves. It is our job to show our kids the kind of adults we want them to be by living with purpose and parenting with intention. And when we are aware of who we are and what we want for ourselves and our kids, we can be aware of our own parenting and parent with our own goal of successful parenting for what we want for our own family. We believe that awareness is the foundation of creating a vision of successful parenting. This show is all about discussions with amazing people, ranging from authors to editors to doctors and everyone in the allied parenting field so we can raise awareness and engage in this thing called life and parenting together. Today's show is called Tough Love, Raising Confident, Kind, Resilient Kids. And I am so pleased to have our guest, Lisa Stipak, join us today. And Lisa is the editor of a book just out with that exact same name. Lisa, welcome to the show. Thank you, Dan. Happy to be here. I am going to say a few more nice things about you so everyone knows your wealth of experience and your background. So Lisa <laughs> is ahead. a cross-platform... Yes, here we go. You are a cross-platform editor, writer, and content curator, and you specialize in the areas of parenting, family, teenagers, pets, wildlife, food, travel, and tourism. What people few people know about her is she used to be, Lisa used to be an avid restaurateur and innkeeper, which she now does many other things, but I'm sure those are some happy memories. She spent many years spearheading innovative projects and publications for families as a creative development director at Disney, and she later left that position to become the editor of the provocative and award-winning Wonder Time magazine for parents. She was also senior editor with Family Fun magazine and edited a series of family travel guides for Disney editions. She now lives in Connecticut, where she is the editor of the Yukon magazine, and she lives there with her husband's 17-year-old daughter, two dogs, and three cats. Lisa, did I capture most of it? <laughs> and then some, yes. And then some, awesome. <laughs> so, welcome. I've been really looking forward to talking to you about Tough Love, this book, which is an edited, edited chapters, and uh, the reason we met is because 
I was flattered to be asked to write a chapter, and but I still didn't know what the the whole book would look like until it came together. And and reading the whole book with all of these wonderful contributors, I mean, it is just a wealth of um, information for parents. So what I wanted to first start by asking is, how did this whole concept of tough love come about? You know, it, a lot of different things came together uh, to make it happen. I think we felt like it was time to get together an anthology, some kind of a parenting book that was a little more, I feel like things in parenting have kind of swung, the pendulum has swung, it got, uh, you know, very sort of, the 50s parent was very strict and severe in a lot of ways, and discipline was extremely important, and we swung way out into the free form, just let them do whatever they want, and I think parents of our generation have been a little at at a loss for where where does it belong and we all know mm-hmm. that we need to find our own way and that our you know every kid is different and and all of that but that's how does that play out in reality so anyway a lot of us were sort of um talking about about that and how it would be a good time for that and at wonder time which was a parenting magazine that that I had the great pleasure to do with Disney, we had this panel of experts who, a lot of parenting magazines will have that, um, but they're kind of figureheads. And in Mm -hmm. our case, they dug in and they really got their hands dirty, and some of them are in this book, um, Ellen Galinsky for one, and they would at every turn say, well, you know why your kid's doing that, right? (laughs) We'd say, maybe not. (laughs) No, no, (laughs) please tell me why. (laughs) Exactly. So what we found was that the science behind things really helped to inform how we would parent our particular kids. It wasn't always the same, but knowing why they were doing what they were doing um, was so helpful. And the two things coming together, the fact that, that parenting had sort of was sort of in this new middle pendulum kind of swinging back to a middle place, and the fact that science has taken such great strides, brain science in particular, that tells us, well, we know that that area of the brain is lighting up, and we know that teenagers, they're not testing you. They're just clueless. <laughs> they truly mm-hmm. are in this particular mm-hmm. field unable to say that this is dangerous. It's just, it's off for this period of time, or what have you. So all of the science that hel- that helps, we were like, let's get some, some people who are in these fields to talk to us about, about the various pieces of parenting and put together an anthology of people who are in the trenches with patients and helping people out as therapists in the way that you do, Dan. And then also say, you know, what, how do they, we wanted to make sure they were also parents themselves. So it wasn't just preaching from some mountaintop, but that they were in the trenches (laughs) understanding what does and doesn't work. Well, and I think that's what gives the book and the chapter a real, um, I think, personal and it's a different flavor because there's clearly seasoned veterans who are combining clinical experience with research, uh, a lot of conceptual, wonderful conceptual framework, and everyone not only coming from their lives as a professional, but also their lives as a parent in an, in an open, honest, and authentic way. And I think what's also 
provocative about the title and the concepts is this whole idea of tough love because you know when this this is a few years back when this was all starting with the book and there was this big you know the talk is about nurturing and um, collaborating and you know even though the, I agree the pendulum has been swinging and has needed to swing still the idea of tough love was like this pow sort of title so I'm sure it was chosen um, very carefully um, and w- w- was there some work and some debate that went into that? <laughs> there was a lot. I mean, um, I think that it means different things to different people, and and at its heart, in in the the book um, that we ended up putting together, it really is about, as you said, it's about nurturing, but figuring out how to set limits at the same time. So that everything, mm-hmm. it's about kindness, but also helping parents to understand how to set the limits that they know need to be set, but that, um, that are sometimes difficult to, to, to do because you, um, because you love your kids so much and you want them to be happy. And it's hard to understand sometimes that, um, that saying no is actually going to make them more happy. So... uh, Yeah, not necessarily in the moment, but uh, maybe shortly thereafter, right? That's so hard in the moment. Sometimes. It's so hard in the moment. And, you know, you have teenager, I have some teenagers. It's like this vacillation between you want to connect with them um, and at the same time need to hold firm and be a parent too. You know, I'm just thinking about our oldest, who's now 17, like yours, um, like your daughter. I remember when she was this, I have this vivid memory. She was in middle school and she was just starting to exert her, uh, independence. And she started to ask for these things that were just like my wife and I like, what, how could she ask (laughs) us to go to these people's houses and sleep over? And we don't even know, or how could she really think we're going to let her stay out that late? And I remember one time I said, I said, sweetheart, I don't, I'm on the phone with her and, you know, she's her friends are in the background. And I said, I can't believe you are continue to ask us this. And she said, Dad, I don't expect you to say yes. I'm just asking. And it was this whole (laughs) realization. Here I am getting all flustered when she's just, you know, testing the boundaries. And I think half hoping we would have said no to all these to some of these things that she was asking. That's such a key, Uh, right? Actually, mm -hmm. in Ellen Galinsky's chapter, because she is um, she does, as you know, the um, the the Work and Families Institute, and they do a lot of polling and a lot of studies, and she does them with parents and kids, and they mm-hmm. got that. That is what kids said. They said over and over again how relieved they were when their parents said no because they felt mm-hmm. like they had to try and ask and tell their friends that that's what they were doing. But right. boy, when they're asking right. you, they don't act like they know that. They really seem 100% hell-bent on getting a yes. So <laughs> they certainly do. good to have this other information. <laughs> it is. So there's so many chapters. Um, you talk about Ellen's chapter, and yeah, I was actually blown away with the um, years of data, and not only years, but the quantity of people interviewed over time was just, you, you just can't mm. um, argue with that sort of data. So that, I mean, that was one chapter that stuck out for me. What about, were you... I'm guessing that you had some one or two that were really resonated with you as you were going through the book. Yeah, there are certainly some that speak more 
personally to me. I mean, um, you mentioned Ellen's, and one thing that she has in her chapter that, that I think about all the time is um, data that shows, too, that with teenagers, they actually want to spend time with you at the exact same time that they're acting like they don't. I remind mm-hmm. myself of that all the time <laughs> because, of yeah. course, with you know a 17-year-old daughter, uh, she could not act less interested, and, and sometimes... Uh, I just go back and read that part with that data that says, you know, they they admit that part of the reason that they're acting that way is that they know, just like we know, that their time is coming to a close and they're mm-hmm. scared of it and sad of it and that's how they that's how they that's how they react. So um so yeah, you just batter them with attention and kindness. <laughs> and you know what uh, so, and the other, yeah yeah. The teen thing, I think that was one of the reasons actually that we did the book was um, not not because because we wanted we felt like parenting books out there are so often they skew toward the baby piece because the baby piece is complicated and it's new, but man, when you're done mm-hmm. with it, you're just done with it, and right. there's so much more that's harder, and so we thought let's forget the babies. Let's start with school-age kids, and let's not stop when it gets really hard when they're teens. Let's force every single person to really dig in and talk about that whole spectrum from when they first start to school to when they get older and give anecdotes about the, their own kids and the um, patients that they've had who, who they've been able to help across that spectrum. That's one of the things I like most about it. But for me right now and in the last mm-hmm. few years, I have to say that um, <laughs> Michael Bradley's chapter on parenting the new millennium teen is yep. a big favorite. I have to go back and reread that constantly because, um, A, it just cracks me up and I want to be like him. And totally. B, I, just I was thinking the same thing. I cannot make right. myself constantly remember all these things I should be doing. I um. I think I'm going to get better, and then I forget again, and I have to go back and read it. <laughs> it is so hard to stay in the zone. It is so hard. His chapter, Parenting in the New, Parenting the New Millennium Teen, yeah, there is tons of insights in there, and he has this great sense of humor in telling stories about you know these tough client situations, but then also those his personal stories, and I believe his own story as a teen as well, how his dad handled a certain situation. Um, <laughs> something in his chapter, which I, it, you made me think of before when you were talking about Ellen's work with and your daughter about how you know not showing that they want to be with us is his, this concept of parental grief, the secret pain. And yeah. I know I really rese- I really uh, resonate with that at uh, times with our kids too. It's like, whoa, we were so tight. You like just wanted to be with me. And now, I mean, it's from either you want us to be gone or every time we open our mouth, we're just frustrating you. Like we are just annoying. It's like, there is this <laughs> transition that most of us experience. And I, I, I'm guessing that that hits you too. Uh, so much. I, I, it, I, I try to not get too emotional about it, but my daughter makes fun of me because she is she's obsessed still with Mamma Mia, the movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, Do you know that's that movie? A great movie? Yes, it's such a great movie. Well. I can't yes. even tell you how many times we've watched that movie. 
and she loves the music and she uh she just she she makes fun of me because that scene where the mom is combing the daughter's hair getting her ready for her wedding makes me cry Mm -hmm. the second the music starts so she'll play (laughs) the music and see if it will make me cry but it's uh but it's funny i'll um you know, I, I, the other day I had a, a, a really a tiny success because she's, she's definitely a typical teenager in so far as uh, the questioning after school is met with um, grunts, and mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I'm lucky if I get a yes or no. I try to, like, you know, not ask the yes or no questions, but she turns them into yes or no answers questions and uh the other day i just said i just said elsie is this i'm not grilling you i i miss you (laughs) (laughs) i said i just want to talk to you because when we were on block island it was so tiny a place i said i had to be with you all the time so you couldn't be at drama without me also helping out at drama and I was right. always driving your, you and your friends everywhere. And I said, I just, I really miss you. And I, oh my gosh, I could see. She actually, for a mm-hmm. half a second, thought about me as a person and not a parent. And she actually gave up some intel. It was brief, but it was good. <laughs> I think you just validated our listeners' experience. I'm so glad you said that. I'm going to repeat. For a brief second, she thought about me as a person. <laughs> so those of you that are out there with teenagers like us, this is normal. It's not necessarily desirable. It definitely can be painful, but it is normal. And in 99.9% of cases, it passes as a transient stage when they reemerge as an independent adult and actually want to be with us again. It actually does happen. So there is hope out there, but it's a, it is, it's a tough period. You know, I'd like to read for the listeners. I just grabbed the book. So Michael Bradley, he has the 10 commandments of parenting new millennium, millennium teens. I'm going to read them. And I'm, I'm really interested, Lisa, in your uh, one or two favorites. Okay, everyone, listen up. Number one, thou shalt be as the dispassionate cop unto thine own child. Number two, thou shalt listen even as thine old child shouts. Number three, thou shalt not shout, speak thou wisely. Four, thou shalt add 15 minutes to every interaction involving thy teen. Five, thou shalt remain loving and connected, even while being hated and avoided. (laughs) Six, thou shalt not kill. Parentheses, thou mayest entertain thoughts of killing, but dot, 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 dot. Number seven, thou shalt apologize at every opportunity. I'm adding even when they don't. Uh, number eight, thou shalt honor thy child's identity. Parentheses, even though it maketh thou ill. <laughs> uh, number nine, to thine own self be true. And number 10, this too shall pass. Uh, words of wisdom. I know. I wish we had time to read the, the, the <laughs> diatribes that yeah. come after each one because they're hilarious. I, it's they so are hilarious. It's so hard to even pick a favorite, <laughs> but I have to tell you the, the one 
thing I think about all the time is the that pairing of thou shalt listen even as my own child shouts and thou yeah. shalt not shout, speak thou wisely, mm-hmm. because I have, it was so nice to know that I'm not the only one that has that experience where your teen is screaming at you and then mm-hmm. you lose it and you make the mistake of screaming back despite the fact that you know you should keep your voice level at all times, otherwise it will escalate, and that your husband has yeah. been known to say, that's not helping, at yep. which point your anger turns to him, and, and it's so yes. it does some good there. But yes. how many people have had that experience where you're in that, and when you finally do lose it and shout back at them, they say, Mom, stop yelling at me. <laughs> And then you say, but you have been screaming at me for 20 minutes. And they say, I'm not screaming. And they mean it. They truly don't think they are. And you just think, okay, I'm going to do what my mom did to my sister and tape you and then let you listen to yourself. Exactly. But it didn't work with my sister, so I just don't go there. Uh, You're describing a common scenario in our own (laughs) household as well. Why are you screaming at me? <laughs> oh, Mom. wow. Their brains. Yeah, right. <sighs> Their brains, we say, are under construction and their emotions and hormones are uh, running wild and they are focused on their own growth and survival and we become necessary yet nuisance at the same time. It's quite a paradox. <laughs> quite a paradox. Okay, so as a veteran mother of a teen... Anna's editor of the Tough Love book. Do you have a strategy that you think that as you've been uh, getting your, your wisdom here that you would recommend to the listeners? Something that has really, that it's, it's worked. It's really worked. <laughs> I wish I had one strategy. I, I don't. I have to tell that's why I'm constantly going back to this and reading different parts of it. Um, mm-hmm. I will say that the listen strategy and advice, the remembering not to take it personally, that, you know, mm-hmm. we say all the time that they are testing our limits, when mm-hmm. in reality, um, like one of the authors in here talks, uh, talks about, um, I believe it's um, the Setting Limits with Love chapter by Bob McKenzie, they're really researching. They're just trying to to figure things out, which is, Mm -hmm. you know, almost the same thing, but it's not exactly the same thing because there's nothing personal. There's no reason to get defensive. It's more, again, about sort of the looking at it as as the same way you would when you're – in the middle of science, you know, thinking about how things work and why they work. That's what they're doing. And if you can listen, just let go of anything defensive and let go of anything that feels personal. And even if it's just the sadness of the fact that you know they are leaving soon and just actually try to hear they're saying in between the shouting and the moms. Um, right, right. Every once in a while, you know, you feel like you, even now, even this long later, you have moments where, you know, they'll say, no, stay. 
and uh, at least right. my daughter does right. sometimes, and I just I feel right. so happy in those. It's usually like one a.m. and I'm so <laughs> tired, but it I is think in those moments, right? This do it, listen, talk, hear what you know, lie down next to her, and uh, and soak it in because those moments happened constantly when she was little, mm-hmm. and they happen rarely now. But I guess it's that it's that just sort of. Don't lose yourself in the chaos of parenting, which is so chaotic, even with just one. I'm constantly saying to myself, I only have one. Why can't I uh, feel less, you know, less pressured? Um, but, I, it, um, you know, don't get lost in that. Instead, just soak in those moments the way you did when they were babies and you were just smelling the tops of their heads because <laughs> they're still, they still smell sweet. And we all remember that. We all do remember those right? moments. I feel like oh. what what I'm hearing you say, which I really, I I really like and support, is it's to it's to listen without judgment and refrain from reacting, right? Like just to try to listen and be there for them when you can capture those moments. And if they can't let us have it and expose all of their ugly side out of control side like who can they do it towards because they got a lot of pressure during the rest of their life to kind of keep it together exactly and and it's what they tell you all the time about how if you do that they will feel safe and when Mm -hmm. they're in elementary school that often comes out as uh, you know i feel like my teacher doesn't like me or i feel like the other girls are making fun of me but then you know, now, boy, the stakes are high. And if you really want them to talk to you when they need to, because it could be something very important at this age. Definitely. <laughs> Guess what? It's time for the parent footprint question, the parent footprint moment question. Okay. Which I know you've been waiting for. Our listeners are certainly waiting for this moment where they can glean your wisdom. So for those of you who uh, have been with us before, you know this question. For those of you who are new to us, the parent footprint moment question is when I ask our guest, Lisa, when she remembers a time when she became aware of something about herself as a person or herself as a parent, and that awareness had a positive impact on her child, your child, Lisa. Since we're all into awareness and benefiting from awareness and parenting with intention and purpose through this awareness, what is your moment you care to share with us? I have an amazing daughter. I feel like I have so many moments where I can see things bloom in her from my my either my parents or my husband or me. But one recent one, um, she, I have always felt strongly that it's important to be politically active, socially active, to give back. Kids are so busy these days that it's kind of hard sometimes to do as much of that as you want. But I think that we try. We try. And um, we try to take her to places that, that are meaningful from the time we went to the, when she was an infant, we went to the Million Mom March <laughs> in D.C. Wow. with her. Yeah. But it's like Madeline Levine's chapter on gimme kids and, and, mm-hmm. and uh, trying to keep them away from materialism. So 
Right. Some of it's political. A lot of it is about social activism. But at the same time, I've tried really hard to, to show her other points of view and to let her know she doesn't have to she doesn't have to parrot the things that her father and I believe. Um, mm-hmm. So you know we've 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 worked hard at that. But then, but I have to admit that I was very very proud of her and very happy when she wanted to go to the women's march in D.C. in January. <laughs> and then I was even more proud of her when she gave up the opportunity to go all the way to D.C. with other people so that she could stay and go instead to Hartford with me and my mom and have three generations go. That was pretty wonderful. That is really cool. So what I'm hearing is you have purposely shown her the importance of giving back uh, social action, political action, and then also tried to be very aware, especially as she's going towards her teens, that she can have her own viewpoints, right? Like really trying to purposely let her know that you can do what you want to do. This is what we, dad and I believe, but you can do what you want to do. And uh, without having to do anything, she, uh, she made you proud by stepping into what she, what she cared about, which is also what you guys care about. Well, because it was also family. She also mm-hmm. stepped up with, you know, I'm going to go, I'm going to stay and go with you and Grammy. Not, you know, mm-hmm. not a friend and her mom. That was pretty, or three friends that were going from, yeah. So that meant a lot. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, because these are all these tough parenting moments. Did you have to help her come up with the not going to D.C. and staying back with three generations? Did you have to have a discussion <laughs> with her? Or did she sort of really come to this herself? Uh, I think it was a mix. I think I was yeah, trying yeah. very hard to plant seeds. because, Like on the way to school every day, I would talk about uh, p- the planning and yes. how it would work if we all went on a bus because... I couldn't figure out, you know, my mom is in great shape, but she's 79. So I thought, hmm, I don't know. How would that be? And so it was sort of thinking out loud. And yeah, I, I think um, I, <laughs> I probably pressured her a little bit without really meaning to. But uh, Okay, so then it's not it pressure. Bit- we'll just start with influence, you know, <laughs> but I think you just did what I what you're making me think of. And this is a good thing for us to, to end on is this parenting Jedi uh, like mind trick, which is when we can pose things as questions and ideas and give some suggestions and alternatives often our kids will actually come up with it themselves and feel like they're owning the decision based on a little feedback. But would we push and second guess them and put them in a corner? We actually work against ourselves in those situations, which is back to your thing about listening and being there for your daughter. Yes. If only I could do that as often as I think I should do that. All right, let's put an intention out there for us and for all of our parental listeners. May we all be blessed with patience, kindness, present moment thinking, and the belief that it's all going to turn out okay. I like that. (laughs) Okay. Lisa, thanks so much for joining me today on the podcast. 
I it has um, been great talking I, to you. It's been great talking to you. I urge everyone to go check out this book. It is will be so worth your while. Tough love raising confident, kind, resilient kids. Please tune in to us at any time. Check out our website, www.parentfootprint.com. And as we wind down on the show today and you think about how to parent with purpose and intention and be aware of what you want for your kids and your grandkids, I'll leave you with the same question I always do. What footprint do you want to leave?